Hi, this is Paul Siegel, and you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and uh, welcome to season three, Paul. Yes, of indeed. Wandering DMs. Uh, first, first episode of January in 2021. Uh, looking forward to all kinds of stuff that we have available um, uh, this third season here. Uh, starting with today, uh, we're going to be talking about barbarians in D&D and maybe other role-playing games. Your extra powerful fighter from the the wildlands um <laughs> and how he or she has or they have appeared in uh various editions of D over the years um how many how many barbarians do you see in your games these days paul uh actually my current fifth edition DD game has a regular player playing a barbarian so we see that okay. um you know also the barbarian character was a fairly popular reasonably popular choice in the big bad so we saw him uh, Kayam the Vanquisher, several times there. Um, I'd, I'd say, honestly, as I look back on sort of older editions that I've played across the years, I think, if anything, it's gained popularity. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, we had, so in season two last year, we had uh, a series of episodes on what I would refer to as the four main classes in D&D, fighter, wizard, cleric, thieves, um, and so now maybe in season th- three, we're going to be digging into classes that came historically later or what you call subclasses or something like that. And I feel like, because when we were talking about fighters last season, we were saying they're kind of the mainstay for you have a new player. Fighters are usually the simplest thing to play. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe barbarians have kind of elbowed their way into that position of people, you know, you're going to be hitting things with a fairly big weapon. You're not going to have an enormous arcane list of abilities and i feel like maybe some people have come to see barbarians as filling that slot of the most basic thing you can pick up and play on the fly for the first time hmm hmm i guess i could see that i guess i could see that they're um hmm i mean i think that you're i mean you're, i see, your fighter with i see the, Will, i see william in the chat is already <laughs> already either anticipated or agreed yeah, with me depending yeah, on yeah. what temporal order that pops up in <laughs> Thank you, William. So it's two. So it's already two votes to one, and we can we can put this to rest. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. Done. done. So uh, <laughs> just for those on the podcast, William writes barbarian seems to be a go-to character choice for a lot of my newish players. Uh, I could see it. I could see it. I still think that the fighter uh, the, with the champion background in fifth edition is a little simpler than the barbarian. Barbarian has some rules. I think we saw this in the big bed where some players maybe stumbled a little bit on the rage mechanics and the the, the sort of offset of you have to, especially as it fits into the um, into the action. Um, uh, economy. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, right. So it's sort of like right, like that, like. You, it costs a bonus action to invoke the rage, and then possibly you can do extra stuff with your bonus action, but you have to be raging first, so there's a, you know, sort of a two-round delay on that. Um, yeah. i got yeah. to admit, even I, to this day, am just slightly hazy about whether the correct rule in 5th edition 
Okay, so the the increased version of rage is frenzy, right? Frenzied rage, right? In fifth edition, and I'm still yep. a little a little hazy about whether that gets called at the moment you first go into the rage, or if you call that in a later round. Um, I, I'm fairly certain it has to be invoked yeah. as you are raging. So you are because you as a barbarian in fifth edition, you'll have some number of rages per day, right? So right. you're you're resource limited a little bit there. And the, right. I'm pretty sure the text of Frenzy says that as you invoke a rage, you may declare it to be a Frenzy. Gotcha. gotcha. So Good. that's... that's. But even then, right, there's there's other problems, honestly, with thinking... You know, we, we've, we've jumped... This is unusual for us, I feel like. We've jumped straight yeah. into the 5th edition stuff and haven't gone over the historical stuff yet. <laughs> but uh, it is more fresh in my brain, again, because I have a player using it. Right. Um, right. The other stumbling block that I saw a lot when I first started playing with 5th edition Barbarians is whether or not they get any bonus to hit or attacks in any way. So there's gotcha. some language in there about raging, about how it gives you advantage on strength-based skills and checks. Right. Which some people uh, originally, or some, some folks I've seen, think that that would apply to attack rolls. Now, I've seen clarification since that it definitely does not. Gotcha. gotcha. So, um, so that's an, a really interesting fact, I think, about the 5th edition Barbarian. If you look at it, that sort of standard barbarian, um, ultimately, most of their abilities are not really geared around dishing out damage. They're geared around taking damage, right? That's the major ability that a barbarian has, is when they're raging, they take half damage from pretty much everything. And uh, so they can just get up there and just take the hits. That's how I see them get played, right? They're kind of the, they're the, the tank, uh, as, as, the, as MMO players call it, the tank character who can get in there and absorb the damage. The Rage in 5th Edition actually doesn't add anything to attacks. That's that, correct. That's I feel correct. like I'm hallucinating. Is yeah. that, no, that's really? correct. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Now, I mean, granted that the Barbarian has pretty good bonuses to hit and uh, right, right, has, right. you know, uh, you, you tends to use the biggest weapons. So so already they're kind of, you know, dealing out pretty high damage, but no more than uh, any fighter could. Crazy. Somehow that's, <laughs> somehow that's escaped me. I knew that, you know, it says they get the advantage on strength um, uh, checks, and I knew that yeah. wasn't going to feed directly into combat, but I just assumed there was some other thing. What's... Crazy. So David's saying it adds to damage. Is that is that the thing? Oh, oh, um, yeah. I'm sure he's right. I'm sure he's right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now just to make a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he's right. But I feel like that's not like again. I, I wouldn't call that like the major okay. ability. Okay. Um, uh, right. Like I feel like the major thing that they get when raging is that that. Uh, um, that ability to absorb damage. Okay. Well, now at the, I think we're all looking this up right yeah. now. To be... You get a bonus to, to the damage roll that increases as you gain levels, as shown in the read damage. Yeah, yes. Okay. Correct. Okay. It is correct. You do gain extra damage. Gotcha. So, yeah, you deal a little more damage. So, um, it's, I starts... see it as plus two for levels one through eight. Yeah. And then plus three up to level 15 and plus four up to level 20. So so as long as you're playing in levels one through eight, that's that's just a fixed plus two damage. Yeah. And again, most most players I've seen of fifth edition barbarians are usually using great weapons. So they're already out there dealing a D12 of damage. Right. And as actually, if you go back to the big bad, um, if you look at um, 
gosh, the um, Deontay playing the Barbarian in episode... Right. Uh, help me out, Dan. Which one was Mad Bird? Was that three? Three, three? I think. Three. Um, yeah. You can really see the tactics there, I think, really well in that he's using the frenzy to get as many attacks as possible and using the ability to uh, make a reckless attack, which allows you yeah. to gain advantage on your attack rolls and thus everyone gets advantage on hitting you because he doesn't care because he's going to take half damage. And the point is just to get as many dice onto the table to basically fish for crits. And that's what he's okay. doing. He's just fishing for criticals. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all agree that the in fifth edition, the basic, the basic barbarian rage isn't attack, isn't adding anything to their to hit, isn't yep. anything to their attacks. Um, and obviously, all of us agree that the the primary feature that's interesting about bar barbarian is their rage. Yes, I agree with that absolutely. All right. Yeah. So let's fix let's let's fix our our um, surprising leap over the history uh, yes. and go back and see where barbarians came from initially before Excellent. I forget, before I forget today. And this will also explain why I was a little bit hazy about fifth edition rules, because as usual, my, my, my intuition, my personal mind frame is, is thinking about the early stuff that I was investigating in the last week or two. So, um, yeah, Paul, if you bring up the, um, the, the first image there, I have some screenshots from uh, the, the first paragraph there is from before D&D was even a glimmer in anybody's mind. That was actually that first paragraph is from Chainmail, mm -hmm. um, where they have a little bit of a, you know, you have mass combat and then you have a little bit of a historical um, uh, optional rules, including for Viking berserkers. And so this isn't called barbarians. Nothing on this page is called a barbarian. They're called berserkers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can see the only ability in that first paragraph that berserkers get is a bonus to hit, a plus two. There you go. So they go into a frenzy. They cannot run away once they do that, and they get plus two to hit. Now, that's in a system where you're rolling 2d6. So uh, yeah, in some plus. sense, that's only about half the range of a d20, right? Okay. But still, plus two and on a d6 is pretty pretty significant. 2d6, right? 2d6. 2D6. Oh, okay, 2d6. Okay, yeah. okay sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. Yeah. Significant, right? Still significant, yeah. Technically, if you like, in my mind, if you were to convert that directly to a D twenty system, that ought to be doubled up to about plus four. I would mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. That uh, and and I see that uh, you know uh, William in the chat again is saying the mo the modern class would be more accurately named berserkers, and you can totally see that's the the phrasing they used in um, early D and D here. The second paragraph on the screen is original D and D nineteen seventy four. This is in the monster section. You could not pick this. This was not held out as an option for player characters. So these are NPC humans that you're probably going to run into and fight in the wilderness. And again, their primary ability is they get plus two to hit. No advantage to damage. No extra damage taking ability. Uh, just plus two to hit. And then I also pulled out, this is one you could kind of miss, I also pulled out from the original D&D supplement that on uh, deities and demigods, um, I pulled out the little blurb on Odin from the Norse mm -hmm. mythos, mm -hmm. and the very last thing, and I know people can't read all this, but the very last thing, bullet point number four, is um, uh, Odin's allies around him are inflicted with berserker rage, and basically they increase their fighter levels by four. Okay. That's what okay. it says there. Okay. Uh, the, the deity tier also does the same thing, basically, in those rules. 
I think it's the same thing in AD and D. You go forward to first yeah. edition, right? AD and D is just copy paste this basically. So you have NPC berserkers in the monster manual. They get plus two to hit, and it's basically the exact same thing in uh, the core rules of, of first edition. Yeah, I mean, I'll point out again uh, in fifth edition. A uh, very common uh, sort of pattern that we see for all classes is that around, I think it's third or fourth level, they gain some they, some path or some choice, right? Like you're going to, as a right. wizard, you're going to school pick your school. As a, you know, as a barbarian, you're going to pick your path. And one of them is the path of the berserker. So certainly yeah. berserking or berserker and barbarians are, are even to still in fifth edition kind of tied together thematically. Correct. 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 And I think that's that's grown over the years as you yeah. they've actually kind of merged over the years is what we'll see is you had berserkers and barbarians as uh, fundamentally separate things initially. And they kind of they kind of uh, merged into into one single thing. So, you know, in this era, like in the 70s, you have a couple dragon magazine articles uh, early on where people are trying to work out. Maybe we could make berserker a character class. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the very, the very first version of that tied them very closely into lycanthropy, actually. Mm-hmm. It is, of course, berserker, uh, you know, in the, in the German, to my understanding, means bare shirt, is supposedly historically the people that, that did this wore itchy, bare shirts, and I guess no other armor, and were kind of considered fierce like that. And so the very initial attempt to make berserker a character class kind of digs into that, and at a higher level, you can literally turn into a bear, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Makes sense. Just like you know the character yep. from Lord of the Rings kind of yep. thing. Yep. Or if you pick another clan, you could turn into a wolf or a tiger or a rat or something like that, or any option out of the lycanthropy list. You generally don't see that today too much, but that no. was an early attempt, hmm. which was kind hmm. of interesting. Fascinating. And that was that was in a that was a Dragon Magazine article that that. Gave that stuff? Yeah, I think that was Dragon yeah. 18, I think, that was, you know, and, and it's funny because that article actually had a warning tag on it for some reason of, like, be extra cautious <laughs> about using this because it hasn't been playtested very much. It might yeah. be totally broken. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Which I'm like, you could just have on every single article all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Though I do feel like, you know, this is, you, you see this very commonly as the pattern for how things get introduced into the game, right? As they show up yeah. in a magazine as a, as a you know, alternate rule. And there's usually like six or seven different attempts at it. And then somehow yes. eventually it gets formalized and somebody says, all right, we're going to either make an amalgam or pick the, the best one and integrate it into the, into the official rules. That's, that's, a, that's a great point, because that's actually totally how the, the current Barbarian class came about. Was that Dragon number three? Actually, so, mm. that, so wow. the, the, um, oh. the, the Berserker class that's, that's tied to Lycanthropy is actually in Dragon Magazine number three, as a matter of fact. Um, so let's actually see where the Barbarians... So again, we're talking Berserkers, we're not talking yeah. Barbarians. Yeah. So if you flip to the next, uh, the next slide there, Paul, here is, you're going to see an article by Gary Gygax... This is in Dragon number 36. And the interesting thing is that this presents Gary's uh, D&D write-up for um, Robert Howard's Conan the Barbarian. Excellent. Specifically about Conan, right? right? And the table there presents him through a number of different ages. You see him at age 15 or 20 or 25. Um, Interestingly, the primary thing is that he is presented as a multi-class fighter thief, a human, obviously, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A fairly high level multi-class fighter thief with a long, 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 with really high abilities and a long, long list of customized 
powers and abilities that goes on for two whole pages. Interesting. And so here, Conan's a fighter thief, really high ability scores, um, and he has extra bonuses to weapons, and he can sneak and hide, and he has special saving throw abilities. Um, he can't be surprised, and on and on and all stuff. And one thing I will point out, he does not have, he doesn't have raging. What, um, interesting, interesting, doesn't have raging. So what, what year is this, Dan? This is 1980. This is this is Dragon Magazine 36 from April 1980. 1980. Okay. So okay. D&D's existed for about six years now. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. The advanced game is out at this point. So the interesting thing is, I feel like Conan and and the the sort of modern pop culture view of Conan has really shaped the direction we've seen barbarians go over the years. Here's my 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 thesis statement. Oh yeah. Right, I think that's really important. And one of the interesting things I find about Conan, and I'm kind of curious about this particular article and how it presents him. Like, what what kind of armor is he wearing in this? I can is that? I can't read. Yeah, any you of that know, text. that's a really interesting question. Yeah. is he's 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 allowed? You know, he's a fighter. Yep. So he's actually allowed to wear anything he wants. Mm -hmm. It says that personality-wise, um, until his later years, Conan scored body armor and shield most of the time. Mm -hmm. However, in battle or perilous situations, he would usually don some protection like leather yep. or chainmail. And then in his Aquilonian period, he would wear plate. Yeah. So interesting, he's actually permitted anything, but personality-wise, yeah. he usually doesn't want to. So I always find that very interesting as, as how Conan is presented, right? And how much Conan gets... Right. And really, I think, and I'll tie this back, too, to the our articles we were looking at earlier, where they really kind of tied them more to Vikings, right? You had Viking Berserker was our original yep. entry point into this. Um, in that Conan, right, if you read the Howard books... Yeah, he's not. Um, yes, he is the the sort of the noble savage kind of character, right? Yes, he's mm -hmm. from a, a, a less advanced society than than those that he interacts with, but he's often in armor, right? He's not this, um, you know, this sort of man from the wilds necessarily. Right. Um, right. And I feel, and I'm trying to like, but however, right, if you just go as far forward as, say, 1982, when we have Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Conan on in the movie theaters, now he's like, you know, bare-chested and loin-clothed and, you know, wearing furs and etc. right? right. Uh, so I will say that mostly the yeah. artwork, right, on the, you know, the, the original stories of Conan usually portrays him in a loincloth, bare-chested, right. you know, kind of sexy, I, I guess. I think um, you're right there. I think ba basically we can blame this on Frazetta, right? <laughs> surely, right, exactly. surely it's Frazetta's exactly. fault that Conan evolved right. in this direction, and thus, I think, opened the door for merging with a concept of something like Vikings or, or, or something like that, you know? I think you're right. I think you're right. A great point. Once again, once again, pictures are <laughs> text. You can write... You can write thousands and thousands of words and write 12 or 20 novels. And as soon as one artist comes through and draws your main character bare chested, that's what's going to stick in everybody's mind, regardless of what you actually yeah. wrote down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that I don't have it here at my desk anymore. But um, when we did our interview with Malashevsky, uh, James Malashevsky, I had uh, a book, an early print book of a Conan novel. And the artwork on that front, he looks very Roman. He's got like full on yes. Roman armor with the crest helmet and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, which I, I remember find that. Really, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Fascinating. Yeah. Good point. Fascinating. Good point. 
point. And of course, um, uh, Joshua in the chat there is uh, also reminding us that uh, uh, 70s era Marvel Comics had a long running yes. Conan um, series uh, drawn by John Basima. Wonderful, wonderful artwork. Um, actually, as we're taping this, there's a 50th anniversary Marvel Conan comic that's on, on the shelves right at the moment, which is oh, kind excellent. Of interesting. Excellent. Um, Very we did not pre-plan that. <laughs> Very <laughs> appropriate, that, nonetheless, but, for our topic. Yeah. All right, so, totally. so, so here we have Conan with stats in Dragon Magazine, and presumably the yeah. point here, is the point here to, like, you can play Conan, or that Conan can be an NPC or a, or a monster? Like, how am I supposed to use this? In my yeah, I think the intent when, when 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 Gary published this, clearly the intention was uh, to use him as an NPC, right? Okay. In line with the deities and demigods' works, in line with all of the other giants in the earth that were being published at the time, mm -hmm, is the mm -hmm. DM would trot any one of these figures out as an extra powerful NPC that's maybe going to put the PCs in their place, maybe put the player characters either in their place or hmm. make them more cautious about the world, at least, about somebody who's presumably more powerful than they are, I think is the idea of like, look, this is this is the most powerful, now this is the most powerful character in the game, and you yeah. need to watch out for yeah. them. Yeah. I think the intention. Of course, the problem always with that is that the the, the over the years, the, the power scale of the game continues to go up and up, and then as you look back at these right. as they gain a little age, suddenly you're like, oh, I, I could take Conan. Pfft. No big exactly. Deal. <laughs> totally. That's 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 totally a traditional that we've always always yeah. always been on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, so the, I think about almost the last paragraph here says, um, um, uh, "Don't rush to include Conan in your campaign, except perhaps to slay one or two brash characters <laughs> who are too far out of line to accept gentle reproof." NPCs such as this are nice, though, for occasional encounters and as heavy artillery in case of extraordinary need. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, he's specifically there to kill player characters. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so delightfully Gygaxian. Okay. <laughs> so if we move forward from, from the Conan yeah. write-up, um, a couple, I think in 1983, there is a Dragon magazine with the draft of the Barbarian player character. Mm -hmm. And then here... We get to the Unearth Arcana hardcover supplement in 1985, and basically you see the same thing here. And now you have the Barbarian player character class, their yep. subclass of the fighter. And my, my the thing that I want to emphasize here is they have a very long list of abilities, and they are one for one the same as the Conan write-up. Interesting. So Interesting. paragraph after paragraph after bullet after bullet point has basically been copy-pasted from Gygax's Conan write-up. So... What, Paul, you said that that image has informed our idea of barbarians, and you couldn't be more right because the text was practically just copy pasted. <laughs> so here you have a character this is, that. Yep. This is certainly the, the uh, when I think of like the history of barbarian in D and D, my brain immediately jumps to Unearthed Arcana. Like that's like right. yep, that's what I think of. Um, I think both because of this, like I think maybe in like. 89 when i was playing first edition D, &D we, this is probably we probably had enough arcana and we're playing with yeah. a lot of the classes out of there and then also the other major tie-in for me of course is the D, D cartoon where right all of the major characters are clearly like like i almost i almost can see the marketing guy at the table saying like uh we have this book coming out on earth arcana can we uh can we get all those new classes that are in it into the show please 
right? <laughs> because all of the kids, you have Cavalier, Barbarian, Thief Acrobat, they're all in there, right? They're all in that show. It's a good point, and I, 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 I suspect someone could correct me, but I suspect the marketing guy at the table was quite possibly Gary himself. Probably <laughs> Gary, right? So at the time, he, had, he actually moved out of Lake Geneva uh, yeah. to Hollywood specifically to direct the, um, the, the, the multimedia entertainment portion of TSR. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And my guess it, it was probably, and it's his book, so my guess it quite likely was actually him. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, now, interestingly, as you look, if you, you know, again, if you use that as your source, you're looking at Bobby the Barbarian uh, from the cartoon. He's got this big club that he can, like, cause earthquakes and stuff. He's definitely a little yeah. brash. Um, but right. does he berserk? Does he berserk? I, uh, I think the answer is no. Well, okay. So, first edition, you know, here we are, 1985, yeah. uh, first edition supplement Barbarian, and they have that same list of huge number of abilities as Conan. Now, they have, for the first time, they've got a D12 for their hit die. Mm -hmm. uh, each mm -hmm. level, which is the time that happened. Um, they are not expected to wear heavy armor. They're expected to wear, again, probably leather armor, light armor. They get an AC bonus in light armor, just like yep. Conan did. Yep. And they have bonuses to weapons and saves and climbing and hiding. They have a bunch of thief-like abilities, surprising and jumping, um, survival and first aid. It's actually the first time that I know that the game had a non-magical way of giving it back hit points they had a very small ability to a first aid to give you back some hit points. They could also automatically detect magic and detect illusions. Mm -hmm. uh, they have no raging ability. Yeah, interesting. There's still now no raging ability. So not too surprised that Bobby the Barbarian on the cartoon didn't do that because yeah. uh, this class doesn't have that still. Now, I remember a trend. Maybe it was just my friends or maybe it was culturally at large. Uh, to play barbarians to the point where they hate magic. Now, is that actually in these rules at all? That like it they're is. actively it's attempting the to destroy. Magic? The, okay, great. It, that's the go. very first paragraph on the page that we're looking at. Actually, it says that they they distrust magic. Uh, they will yeah. not use magic items. They won't associate with magic users. They're actually not supposed to be in the same adventuring party as a magic user. And yes, they get exper extra experience points for destroying magic items. That's absolutely so fascinating. Class. Such a fascinating yeah. thing. I feel like like that. You know, on the one hand, you have your barbarians who hate magic. On the other hand, you have your 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 paladins who are righteous do-gooders. It seems like there was this trend to make these subclasses that just intrinsically would not get on with other members of the party. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> well, okay. The critic of the game, Gary Gygax, yeah, right? Yeah, he was yeah. one introducing all of this stuff. And so I think that there's a, there was a long-running debate at the time and even now of, is it a good idea to balance more powerful mechanical abilities, more powerful numerical you know, bonuses with role-playing restrictions? Restrictions mm. around who you're supposed to associate with, who you could have in a party, um, how much uh, money you, you're allowed to keep for yourself, and in this case, whether you're actually required to avoid and destroy magic items or not. So yeah. you also see that with a Cavalier, right? There's a, there's a Cavalier class in the same work that does the same thing. They have a required list of opponents that they have to attack. Yeah. Cavaliers go into battle, and they actually can't pick what opponent they fight. There's actually a predetermined list of who they're supposed to fight first. So odd. Um, the interesting like thing that. about those is that they sound clever and interesting for the individual player, but inevitably I feel like they always cause strife amongst the party. Like, always. 
Always. If the barbarian says that they can't adventure with, with wizards, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. It's yeah. like, you literally actually now just not have wizards in your party? That's, <laughs> that's like an enormous, enormous blow against D&D to, to require that. Right, right, right. And I feel like most people I played with at the time just kind of ignored that as a hard rule and instead just exercised it at the table by being mean to each other. Right, right. Just, just. Oh, this is an excuse to be a dick to my friends. Great. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what happened to everybody. I think that that the the the, the mechanical bonuses that would attract everybody to these characters, yeah, didn't you know you really couldn't follow through on the supposed role playing restrictions, and therefore you just had broken, overpowered character classes. <laughs> Yeah, certainly I know that that's kind of the reputation that Unearthed Arcana has, right? Of sort of adding just o overpowered stuff that, that kind yeah. of broke the game. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, you know, maybe this is on the, the treadmill we're on about supplements. That's why you're going to get players to buy it. Yep. Uh, yep. TSR was in financial difficulty at the time. Some people say they pushed out this product kind of early or something like that. Hmm. Um, and they are they're they're clearly more powerful characters though, including the barbarians. But still no rage. Yeah. Point that out. Still no rage. Yeah, interesting. So um, when so was go, go ahead. I, I see that uh coming up our next our, our next image that you have queued up for us is third edition. Uh do you have any experience with the second edition era with the kit books and the 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 complete blah blah blah? book great 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 question i really don't actually so yeah. i didn't play a lot of second edition um i actually never got any of the the the, the physical books to second edition have you now i know there was like a a viking source book they had a series of historical books starting with vikings which is where yeah. we get the berserker right initially did you play with those paul i i certainly played with i certainly had plenty of the the complete x books right and then usually they had one for every class it was a complete wizard's handbook right. the complete Fighter's Handbook, etc., which I'm sure added, you know, added this concept of kits, right, which was their their way of even adding even more sort of subclasses or sub-subclasses or whatever. Um, so I'm sure it took it in crazy directions. I remember, honestly, actually playing with uh, a friend of mine in high school who got really into playing the Gladiator kit. Um, right. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't I don't have any of that stuff on me anymore. Honestly, I got rid of all of those books. I, I think, though, that it's probably, second edition is probably just more of the same, more of what we already have in first edition, and then just adding yet more and more of these uh, extra, extra variations uh, and whatnot. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't really make a good hard comparison. So I don't know at what point Berserking came in, possibly somewhere in that era. Right. I, I agree. That's probably my guess too, and and I and I agree that the the second edition era stripped down in the core rules stripped down the classes the basic four. Here you uh, go. Will, William to the rescue for us here. Hang on. Let's get this comment up here. Um, uh, he tells us there were several versions of Barbarian in the Fighters book, uh, Berserker, uh, then in the Vikings book, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Even a complete Barbarians book. There you had a whole complete Barbarians book. Yep. Oh, really. Really crazy. I'm okay. not surprised by that. You really had you really had every every complete everything's book, which was yeah. Honestly, I remember I remember at first liking it as a teenager, and then rapidly getting infuriated by it as we had like Drow of the Underdark, and suddenly all of my players are playing Drow, and we had uh, the oh, complete right. um, book of humanoids. I think where now my players want to yeah. play 
centaurs and like it just it just broke the game over and over and over again to the point where i was just infuriated with them and i was like get, get this crap out of here mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i think we went through the same thing when you and i were playing third edition together we went through the same thing and a couple of supplements came out and i think we got to the point where we're like no supplements allowed yeah. no further supplements allowed we're not gonna we're gonna stop trying to balance it or deal with that um, yeah and frankly so frank honestly this is how i play fifth edition now i always say player's yeah, handbook okay. only just yep. get your get your you know Xanathar's guide to everything and your you know uh, elementalist whatever Ele- right. I can't remember what the elemental one is that's the one that leaks in a lot I'm like no <laughs> players can't look, that's it that's what I want to play with and of course that's what we decided for the big bad show last yeah. year is that uh, partly you know having a number of different players come in week after week um, we were going to stick with players handbook stuff only to make sure everybody was familiar with it and that itself was actually not. Uh, we actually had some issues sticking with that because uh, the D and D Beyond software product doesn't separate things out so precisely. As a matter of fact, so yeah. sometimes yeah. you would have stuff bleed in spells from a supplement or something like that that I accidentally picked because yeah. it wasn't entirely obvious that they were from supplements. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that software it tries. There are definitely places where you can say filter by this this source or that source, but uh, yeah. there are unfortunately a few places where where some yeah. stuff it can accidentally bleed in. Uh, and it's not right. to say any of that stuff is bad, right? Like the, the, our problem with it really, or at least my problem with it personally, is that um, it's just too much to vet, right? Especially for a show where we're, we're very much trying to say, you know, that it's a, it's a competition, so we need a fair playing field. Um, right. You know, to then say like, well, now I have to vet all this material. Exactly. Just, just gotta gotta get some limits in there. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Good. You know, before we go, we move on from this page. I, I kind of like to deal with Josh's question that he had a couple sure. minutes ago, actually, about four minutes ago. So it starts with, "Do you think that?" Um, if you can pull that up on screen. Uh, give me a second there. I'll find it. There it is. All right, Josh asks, do you think that if you did enforce the restrictions, it would work? I mean, in a grown-up way where the players all agree, we're going to... That's it. Got have a off. party Sorry, with some barbarians, <laughs> so let's have no magic users. Ah. I think there's a question. Do you think that would... I mean, so now... I mean, when this originally came out, I was a teenager. Um, the role-playing restrictions didn't seem to work at the time. Do you think now that we're all mature, sensible adults, Paul, that we can have a conversation with each other that that wouldn't happen anymore? I mean, you could. You could try. I mean, nothing's impossible, right? Um, I think that it's tough, and especially uh, when you start to look at things like um, uh, Adventurers League, right? Like, any time where you say... You know, it's not a very closed system where we're going to discuss the setting up front and make sure we're all on the same page. Like once once you get into like, is it official? Right. Then it gets messy. Depends on the people, I think. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's there's fun to be had in that direction of, um, you know, I I remember a game you ran, Dan, where all the players just organically decided we're all going to be wizards. Just. It's going to be a party full of wizards and see what that's like. And that might be fun, right? I could see a no game barbarians of like, allowed. all barbarians. Like, we're going to play all barbarians because it's awesome. And it would change the tenor of the game and it might be interesting. Yeah. You even have offshoot games, right? You have like, um, uh, the, what's the, the, somebody made a Hyperborea, an old school game, something, Swordsman of Hyperborea. Am right. I getting it right? 
I think so, actually. Astonishing Swords Moon of Hyperborea. That's the one I'm thinking of. Played a game of that at a convention not too long ago where it's really like, yep, we were all barbarians, man. We were all kind of in that in that area. You could do it, for I sure. Mean, maybe maybe it, it would work. I mean, it, certainly it's a curveball in character creation to sit down as a, as a party and say, what's our party composition going to be? I'll agree with that and have restrictions in that nature versus every player having their own customized character that... There's no, there's nothing in the character except what the player wanted. That would certainly be a curveball. I don't know, maybe it would work better if the DM comes in and says, this is what the campaign's about and restricts certain character classes, like you're yeah. talking about with that customized Hyperborea game. Yeah, yeah. Right, again, that's it's easier to do in a convention setting where maybe you're just coming with pre-gens and you go, here you go, everybody, here are the characters, right? Now you've super enforced it. I think it would, honestly, it sounds fun to me. I would love to play a game at this point being like, we're all going to be barbarians and we're going to be super anti-magic. Go. Right, that actually sounds sounds pretty yeah. cool, but I think it would, I certainly requires some uh, setup and buy-in at the at the start before you, you know, before you're rolling, rolling up your characters. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> All right. Shall we pop forward to third edition? Yeah. Yeah. So as far so here we are in the core rules of third edition came out about two thousand and here's the page and barbarians here and the main thing here is that now they have the raging ability that we're familiar with. So at yep. this point, uh, maybe that was tested in the two point five era, but now you actually have a core rule, the first core rule book that has barbarians in it. First of all and the first core rule book that has Rage as their primary ability of interest. And that's almost about it, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, the Rage adds to their strength and constitution for a temporary amount of time, four points. Um, they have extra movement, they have uncanny dodge, and they do have damage reduction that mm -hmm. reduces the damage they take. And actually, those four abilities are it. So Raging, extra move, uncanny dodge, and damage reduction. Um, and now you have Rage as the, the prominent number one ability they have that's going to that's going to be carried with them forward in future editions. Hmm. Interesting. It's fascinating because we saw that Rage originated all the way back in Chainmail with the Berserkers, and right. um, the interesting thing is I keep trying to think of like what is the literary source of this, and, and I'm trying to think of characters who who did this in a story that is you know. Um, that that could have inspired the D and D trope, and I, and I'm struggling to find it honestly. I, the only things the only things I can think of are books that are clearly derivative of D and D, where they clearly like yeah. started with D and D, and we're like, okay, well, we're gonna have a barbarian because that's in D and D. Do you know of any literary types that, I don't. that raged? I don't. Yeah. Nope. I totally agree with you. I mean, to me, this is clearly like there's an interesting mechanic sitting over in the berserker npcs there's an yeah. interesting character class of barbarian hanging out with conan and over time the, the mechanical interesting thing got merged into the barbarian and i agree yeah. that raging barbarian doesn't really have any pulp pulp yeah, traditions in mind it's interesting that. similar say to the cleric right of what's what's the origin of the healing holy man good point now, okay, so in the, now in the, in the chat, that's a really good point of uh, the Irish mythological character, Chuchulun, um, who was uh, 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 famous for going berserk in battle. That's a really good point. And his, uh, of course, he was half demigod, 
And so in battle, Cahulan would, his, his curly hair would stand on end and his eyes would start bleeding and his ears would start bleeding and he would gnash it, he would bite on his shield and mm. he would kill everybody in, in, uh, in vis visible range, possibly one of his own allies or friends. That's actually a good point. That actually is probably the, the um, now it's, you know, of course, I usually think about appendix and pulp fiction type stuff. Yep. And I can't do anything like that, but that's actually a really super good example of a mythological figure who totally did that. That's a really good point. And, you know, as someone who is, you know, my last name is Collins and as someone who's of Irish descent, um, you know, it, it feels familial. <laughs> <laughs> like I get it. Like I, when I, when I, when I read the Tarn, which is the, the Irish, the, 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 the Tarn Bokulnia, Mm -hmm. which is the Irish uh, myth, myth cycle with Kahul. And I was like, this feels really, this feels really close. <laughs> Everything, people being really angry like this, that feels really close to home. Like, I think I'm being attacked by Kahul, and you don't want that, frankly. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Fascinating. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very interesting, the, the sort of, you know, I guess just how derivative the barbarian is or, or how organic its creation yeah. is in our in our setting um, through, through you know, the combination of all these things. Um, hmm. And yet now it's definitely, it feels super classic, right? It feels like an obvious classic yeah. element of fantasy roleplay settings uh we expect to see it we uh you know we do see it all the time in our games right right hmm. Hmm. So my, hmm. like my question is you like the rage like you know to me having you know played early different stuff rage still sits there and i know that it got pasted in it got copied in at a later date from the berserkers do you like them being merged or does that or would the barbarian be even more interesting if the if the rage wasn't there and they did the other stuff instead? I don't know. I mean, it certainly adds personality, right? Because it comes yeah. not only with statistical advantage, but like a very clear role play element just pre boiled in, right? Like your your characters on the you know on on the hinge of like losing it, right? You're you're playing a character who who just yeah. becomes you know just completely uh susceptible to their anger you know I no, here's a question like, yeah and and again uh uh clarify if i've got this wrong in um in fifth edition the, the character rages is there any requirement of what they do at that point like can the can the barbarian in fifth edition retreat or withdraw if they want to while raging well the important thing is they lose it in any round in which they did not cause or take damage I see. Okay. So if they didn't, if they didn't directly attack a thing or 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 take some damage from an enemy hitting them, then the rage is gone. But they and can be raging, decide to decide to run away one round later, lose the rage, and they're successfully out. Of the I fight. believe as I believe pretty much any time as a like bonus action, they yeah. can just drop it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. So that's that's clearly different from early on with berserkers, where the primary trade off was you get a bonus to hit. And you cannot retreat from combat. You have to you right. have to fight until one side or the other is totally dead. Right. Um, that to me, that's the one thing about like third, fifth edition style rage is like, and you know, you 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 get these bonuses, but are you really out of control? Kind of yeah. not, because you kind of player still has full full control over what the character does. Yeah. So to me, that's, that feels like a little bit of a a, a round peg in a square hole. A hmm. bit. 
Yeah, certainly it's it's there. I feel like the the implication is there just in the name, right? Like it's called rage, and I think most people are familiar enough with the trope that they're gonna tend to lean into it. But you're right; there's nothing mechanically forcing them into this into this behavior. Right. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. The other thing I would point out is that, you know, initially barbarians were characterized by an enormous list of very long special abilities, like at least a dozen or 20 uh, climb surprise, extra AC, extra weapons, saving throws, detect illusion, on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's clearly been shaved down or maybe at least folded into the skill system uh, over time. And Mm -hmm. so now, like you get to third edition, barbarians basically have these four abilities that they have. From levels one to twenty, including unc- uncanny dodge, which you know adds uh, a defense against traps and things like that. Um, so it's kind of interesting that they had this this very long list of kind of miscellaneous stuff that got got ta- got cut down and basically highlight something totally different, which is the rage, which they didn't have as of say first edition. I'm kind of curious, Dan, as being the the one of us with a more comic book background. Do you think that there's uh, any influence in the Barbarian from the Incredible Hulk? Well, that's a really good question. Because um, the more I talk about it, the more I think like it's a limited set of times it can happen. It's a it's a, a thing yeah. that they rage out, right? They Hulk out, right? They <laughs> become uh, much more powerful, uh, possibly less in control. It, it feels very similar to what I know of. The Incredible Hulk. And That's as we really know, certainly point. there's a lot of comic influence on, on D&D. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Now, I will say that, of course, my... Uh, of course, that's the thing that the Hulk is known for, that my... You know, the character that I've read the most, the Mighty Thor from Marvel Comics, comes from Viking mythology, and they also work that into the, the Thor comics once in a while. Of hmm. Someone goes into a Viking rage, there's at least one uh, comic where Thor does that, and then that's considered to be uh, taboo, and mm-hmm. he's punished by Odin as a result of how could you possibly dare um, succumb to Viking rage? It's the number one thing you're not allowed to do mm-hmm. in that issue. So it's also it's also baked through the whole Norse mythology comics of the Thor comics uh, from time to time, which is a good point. Um, I can I can, there's at least one scene I know where Thor is talking to the Hulk actually and saying, oh. Don't worry about the upcoming fight. You'll go into your berserker rage, and everything will be fine. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So that's kind of that's kind of a good point, actually. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we know that you know a number of things like from the Doctor Strange comics certainly bled into D and D. So yeah, that's actually yeah. pretty good. Pretty good point. Yeah. So it's interesting that we've lost these kind of negative impacts, right? Like, I, yes, you're right. In fifth yeah. edition, there's there's nothing that forces the barbarian to like go nuts and possibly even attack friendly friendly targets, right? right? Likewise, yeah. I would say the paladin lost the ability or the the detriment, right, of like just lose all your powers if you piss off your god, right? Correct. Um, and I, I can see why, right? I can see why certainly players don't like to have their toys taken away and whatnot. And other classes don't have that, right? There's If I play a wizard, I'm not going to suddenly right. lose my spells because I didn't roleplay right. Yeah. Is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. What do you think? 
I mean, it, it does. I mean, I, I could be crazy. It does feel and look, I, I'm mostly a DM, right? Yeah. So I don't I, I, I got to admit, I don't suffer from these penalties. And I haven't really played through the experience of losing that kind of stuff. To me, it does feel like the play space is a little bit more constrained. It feel like it, in the early days, there was just a lot more possibilities to the D&D world that potentially a lot more you know, dangerous things could happen from day to day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you find a magic item that just increases your level or a wish that boosts all your your abilities up to 18 or stuff like that. Or you just entirely lose your class. Paladin something wrong, you entirely lose the class and now you're a fighter instead. And it does seem like over time, um, as, maybe as the system gets more complicated and there's more cohesion in the different systems, you know, it would be harder to make that happen. It would be more punishing to the players, and therefore those kinds of, like, really out there happenings have sort of been taken away. And to me, it does... i got to admit, it feels to me like a slightly thinner play space because of that. Am I crazy about that? No, I, I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. Um, it's tough, I think, right? Um... Again, you know, you're always going to get the the fairness argument, right? The sort of oh, well, so and so is playing a, you know, just look at like cleric versus magic user. Like uh, my magic user doesn't have to worry about making his god angry and thus not being granted his spells. Um, you know, uh, I don't know though. You're, you're right though because it doesn't. Yeah, it, it you lose some ability to enforce uh, uh, the milieu onto the onto the players and i wonder if there's a there's a, another way around that i'm trying i'm like racking my brain trying to come up with like how else could you have a barbarian class that encourages that kind of like lose control attitude without like actively smacking down the player and saying like nope you gotta attack your friends right. now i will I, say that has uh, there's never been a version of dnd where um, attacking your friends was was either common or, or going to happen automatically. I think mm -hmm. the, I think the only place I saw that was the the Dragon Number Three article that had like a maybe a one in six chance. I'd have to look it up, but even that was super super rare. There's never been a core barbarian presentation where they ever had a chance of attacking their friends. Actually, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, you know, not retreating is a you know either do or die when you go in a rage. It's a pretty big. Uh, pretty big penalty. Yeah. Obviously, over time, there's been this philosophy of becoming more and more and more careful about stepping on player autonomy. Mm -hmm. um, what I want for my character to happen, be more and more careful about taking that away. And certainly some people find that to be really incredibly taboo to the extent whereby some people recommend you have a, an advanced conversation about whether charm spells or hold spells or paralysis spells are allowed to be used, used against player characters in D&D today. <laughs> so um, certainly those kinds of things of taking away abilities or taking away choices in combat would be much more anathema to a lot of players today than it was at one time, where maybe the, the characters were more disposable or you had multiple henchmen and it was more expected that the, the, the characters were going to be taken away on a regular basis. Like, as soon as Conan shows up. If Conan shows up, you know that he's trying to kill either one or two player characters. That's, that's why I can't, I can't put him in the game, frankly. <laughs> now that probably that would probably blow some people's minds. Uh, uh, that's hilarious. 
Uh, you know, so I'm reminded. I feel like I feel like there is still a middle ground to be found here. I guess, and, and I'm, I'm reminded of um, playing the old um, uh, Hero Quest and Warhammer Quest games uh, from from the early '90s, late '80s, um, where again, because um, actually, I don't I don't know where this tradition comes from. But if you look at at any time that sort of uh, Games Workshop and Milton Bradley got together and built stuff, their core fighter character was always a barbarian, right? They never had like if you go back to Hero Quest, the four character types are dwarf, elf, wizard, barbarian. That's what you get. Really? Yeah. Those okay. are your those are your four heroes. Okay. Um and and I liked it honestly, it was a little more flavorful, right? Like barbarian is just a little more flavorful than, you know, you want to play a, a heavy armored fighter, well that's a dwarf. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. And the as I as I recall in those games, the the barbarian character had a pretty strong attack, but the the like you flubbed the roll that you rolled a one effect was that every every square around you got attacked, right? A little okay. bit of damage to everything around you. So it was just okay. it was more like splash damage from a fireball, right? Like just like a okay, well we can deal with that if we just shove the barbarian out there, right? <laughs> Don't defend okay. him, send him out, and then there's no problem. Right. Um, but yeah, oops, oop, darn it! I'm standing next to the barbarian, and he rolled a one, and now I take a point of damage because because he's just he just loses his shit and <laughs> flings around and <laughs> flails about wildly. I like, yeah, I like I that. that I, right. So I kind of feel like I kind of feel like you could have a mechanic like that in a fifth edition barbarian, and it would be okay without taking away autonomy from the players. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. My my brain is not connecting the dots completely into how to house rule that into into being, but I feel yeah. like something like that could exist. Right, right. Interesting. And I'm, I'd be... You know, one thing I'll say. Yeah. One, one on. thing I'll say about you know Hero Quest there with Barbarian when you're forming classes is as someone that's that's lived with D and D all my life, I actually kind of forget that the the term fighter, if 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 you were not a D and D player and you came to that, isn't incredibly meaningful. If someone says you're a fighter, I'm like, well, I assume that everybody in the game is all fighting, I assume, right? Everybody's a fighter. Um, And, of course, originally called fighting man out of which comes directly out of historical military texts of of course, um, isn't isn't super flavorful. So I think if I was the marketing person at the outset of D&D, I'd say, you know, don't name that fighter, name it warrior at least right a warrior yeah. or barbarian or something like that would be a more meaningful name yeah um so barbarian you immediately get like anybody would have an immediate visual sense of that whereas fighter is is pretty pretty generic doesn't really tell you a whole lot for people that, if you're not a D player to begin with yeah so yeah. i can see that. yeah yeah i agree i agree and also i think um there's also an element there to the to the old warhammer or, or hero quest games where um you're trying, you know, you have a sort of racist class, right? Because again, you have dwarf and elf as right. character right. types, and we don't have race versus class. And there's right. an interesting thing there of trying to differentiate what is the difference between a dwarf and a fighter, right? Yeah. And yeah. and so just just saying like we are just going to let the dwarves be our heavy armored, you know, expert martial character type is is interesting, right? right. Right. You know, actually, that, that's another that's another point we actually didn't get into it today in the in the historical sequence is uh, barbarians when they originally uh, showed up were humans only. Hmm. So Conan's a human. 
mm-hmm. um, all the dragon articles said that barbarians had to be humans, nothing else. You see it in that first of the, the Unearthed Arcana supplement had to be a human. Once you get to third edition, of course, the artwork that we saw, the canonical barbarian was half orc yeah. in third edition. We're opening it up. We're giving more options. You can play any race class combination, and we're going to present the half orc as a barbarian. Now, I, um, I find it, that really yeah, surprising. That's that's because because certainly in first edition we had half orc as a playable race, and that just seems like a classic combo. I guess I'm surprised that first edition did not allow half orc barbarians. When did that come into play? Is that third edition? Did second edition open? I'm that pretty door? sure that third edition. Third edition was the point where they removed the the race class restrictions. Gotcha. Um, that, that to my knowledge, that still existed through uh, all through first edition, second edition, and third edition said. We know that you're all taking races and classes and you're mishmashing them every which way, regardless of what the rules say. Uh, so now you have full full authority that you can take any race and apply it to any class that you want. Hmm. Um, you know, and now, I, you know, it's obviously that was an opening up of the, of the book. Now I'm sure that some people would point to that third edition uh, stock character and say, this is, trouble- this is troublesome, perhaps, uh, identifying mm-hmm. half-orc with barbarians. Yep. Um, but um, uh, certainly a lot of people at the time thought that that was a, a, a freeing and, and removing of, of restrictions from races um, hmm. at the time. So, yeah, I think there was, there was, I think there was the habit through Gary's work in first edition that any kind of special thing, many of the subclasses could only be humans. Yeah. Uh, so I think illusionists, druids, barbarians, were usually humans and maybe one other race only perhaps would be the would be the constant thing interesting interesting yeah all right well we are close to running out of time here dan uh you got any final thoughts on barbarians well they're interesting i still kind of wrestle back and forth about whether the the raging belongs with barbarians or Mm -hmm. that should have been Mm -hmm. berserkers only um and i I got to admit, I, I like some kind of reflection. If you're going to rage, I do like some kind of reflection of limitation of choices about not being able to run out of fight. Hmm. And that's kind of makes it more, you know, higher risk, higher reward. Um, I kind, it's kind of hard for me to move away from raging that allows you to do whatever you want. Um, hmm. So that's kind of where I am with it myself. I would, I, Once you get I, third edition, I'm not totally 100% happy about it, but it makes a lot of players happy, and maybe that's more yeah. important. I think there's a very subtle push in that direction with the limitation of you're going to lose your rage if you don't cause damage or take damage. And okay. unfortunately, the thing that makes me twitch then is is what I hear very frequently amongst players of finding clever ways to take damage, right? Like punching themselves in the face yeah. or otherwise like right. doing things to right. intentionally damage themselves to keep the rage going, which I guess, yeah, is maybe somewhat in the spirit, but is also just feels very gamey to me, right? right. Doesn't, yeah. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah, I think the, the way to deal and take damage is to be constantly running into the fight. Right, right. Um, I guess maybe I would start uh, imagining um, a, a rules edit whereby they have to bite their own shield or weapon and either damage, <laughs> either damage their face or their or their shield by doing that. <laughs> That's yeah, the flavor. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I was recently told that I was insane, so maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't use that. <laughs> 
this year. Uh, I think it's a pretty fun class in 5th edition. I'm pretty happy with it, honestly. I like this... Um, I like the notion, honestly, of them being more defensive than offensive, but, like, it, they're they're inclined to offense because of that, right? Like, it's, it's a very subtle maneuver, but it's the, this notion yeah. that their abilities are mostly to absorb damage. Ergo, they end up in the front of the fight because that's where everybody wants them so that they can right. use their ability to absorb damage. Um, right. So I like that. I'm enjoying uh, playing with one in my, in my regular game. Um, I even recently, I was running the uh, Citadel of the Severed Hand, uh, which is a one-page dungeon contest winner. Um, and so it's written for old school stuff and there's a very minor like three word in, uh, thing in there about uh, this guy's got some berserker mushrooms on him and I had and I spun on that for a while and I was like what does that mean and of course my players find it and so I came up with a house rule on the fly of it meant that if the barbarian character ate one of those mushrooms it would keep his rage going without the, the damage requirement oh. Um, so, which again is just, I think, helped make it a very minor magic item, but sort of makes it this, he, he loves them. And of course now, like, you know, when he's like frothing mad and like getting ready to the fight, he's jamming mushrooms in his mouth, which is kind of funny. <laughs> we, all, we all like the combat mushroom in the mouth, uh, routine. Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. All right. So. Okay. So barbarians. Okay, they stay in the game. All right. <laughs> all right they can pass. There's a lot of, there's a lot of flavor to them. Yeah. All right. We'll keep, them. we'll keep them around. Good for you. Good for you, barbarians. You've been doing well. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, if you if viewers have any thoughts on barbarians you'd like to share with us, any uh, funny stories or interesting uh, uh, views or, or stuff that's happened with barbarians in your game, please share them with us in the comments. Uh, also, if you have uh, if there are any particular of the uh, other classes that we have yet to cover that you would like to make sure that we uh, cover here in season three, uh, do let us know because that that is on our radar to to try and fill in those fill in those blank spots. So uh, drop us a comment below. <clears throat> Definitely, we'll be, and 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 look at the uh, look at the chat that's already happened because there's a lot of good ideas for yeah. uh, optional uh, rules or edits to your to your barbarians. We already have, so if you build on that, we will look forward to um, to seeing that conversation continue. Uh, remember that you can like and follow and subscribe to us, the Wandering DMs, on a bunch of social media sites like YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook, and we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all of those sites. So please look for us there. If you prefer to listen to us in audio-only podcast format, you can find our shows on our website at wanderingdms.com. And we're also carried by the major podcast carriers, such as uh, Apple, uh, iTunes, and uh, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and Stitcher, and all such places. If you are listening to one of our podcasts from one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us there. That helps us out a lot. It definitely does. And as usual, thanks to our growing list of patrons who support the Wandering DM show here. Uh, we have gotten so much support from you guys uh, in the last year. We really, truly appreciate it. We're looking to build on our successes in uh, 2020 as we go forward. If you have the capacity and you would like to join our patrons in supporting Wandering DMs, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. And you'll see our different uh, tier levels there. Hoping to do a whole lot of interesting stuff uh, this year. Uh, Sunday talk show, various game shows through the week, um, uh, different benefits for patrons that we're rolling out. 
Uh, normally, we have a Discord chat after the show. We're actually going to skip that due to scheduling problems here today. Um, Paul, are you starting up uh, 10 Dead Rats yes. again? Yes, 10, 10 Dead Rats will be starting again this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, please uh, join us for Season 3 of 10 Dead Rats. Awesome. I will be looking forward eagerly to that, as a matter of fact. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And don't forget that we are live every Sunday with the talk show that you're currently uh, watching and listening to, Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So please, we hope that you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.